The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, His disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning and happy Easter and Happy Divine Mercy Sunday and uh, happy First Communion Day and our confirmation people from last Friday. So it's been a very grace-filled eight days of the Easter octave. And uh, and I think I decided I'm never again going to do the Triduum and Easter and confirmation and First Communion in the same eight-day period. (laughs) Hashtag new pastor. So, um, but it has been, it has been a great, 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 great joy. And um, I'm just really grateful for everything the Lord has done. And um, today we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday and and it's, it is the last day of the octave of Easter and um, which is also now the observance of Divine Mercy and the divine mercy image that you know is on display in front of the altar is an image of Christ pointing to his heart and 
and these red and blue rays that come from his heart that call to mind the water and blood that come from his side when he gave his life on the cross. And and that font of grace that we receive in baptism and the Eucharist. That font of mercy. And then at the bottom of the image, there's those words, Jesus, I trust in you. And one of the things that I reflected on a lot when I was in Europe was just the way language works and, and how that is translated in other languages. So in French, the image says, j'ai confiance en toi, which means more literally, I have confidence in you. I have confidence in you. When everything is going wrong in my life, I have confidence that you can put it in order again. When I reflect on my past sins and, and, and all of the ways that I've failed, I have confidence in the fact that Jesus came to make all things new. Right? I have confidence in you. In Italian, the word for trust is affidarsi, which means to entrust myself. Right? So it's a reflexive verb, which means to entrust myself, which, which really means more like I'm placing myself in your hands and I'm going to let you guide my life and I place my heart in your hands. And in order to have confidence in Christ and, and in order to place our heart in his hands, we really have to know his mercy and, and we have to know his love and, and we have to know it's the kind of love that is always, always, always being poured out to us and being poured out to us, most particularly at our worst moments. You know, most particularly at our worst moments. And, you know, because real mercy happens, as, as I've been preaching about throughout Lent, real mercy happens when we're sort of surprised by love at a time in which we don't expect to encounter it. And when what our Lord does surprises us, And we really see that in action in today's gospel, where Thomas isn't present. And and so our Lord appears in the upper room and and his body and his glorified form. He can pass through walls and pass through locked doors. and, And he appears to the disciples and it says, first and foremost, he showed them his hands and his side. And he said, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side and said, peace be with you. And then he breathed on them, which calls to mind like the breath of God that goes over the waters at the beginning of creation. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained. And he gave the apostles the ability to forgive sins, which implies the fact that he desired that they utilize that ability and that they pass that ability on throughout the centuries through the laying on of hands and until finally Bishop Ruskowitz laid his hands on my head 17 years ago. So that every time we go to confession, it's a moment of mercy and hopefully it's a moment in which we are surprised by our Lord's love. But in all of that, Thomas wasn't present and so they go and they tell Thomas all about it 
and, and he doesn't believe them. But, but we have to beg the question, we have to ask ourselves the question, why doesn't he believe or what doesn't he believe? And, and the way he says things, it, it does beg that question because he says, unless I see the mark of the nails in his flesh and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. In other words, like, did Thomas doubt the resurrection, generally speaking, or did he doubt that when Jesus was resurrected, you could still see the nail marks in his hands and the wound in his side? Did he doubt the resurrection or did he doubt that Jesus had resurrected wounds? Because it would seem that he doubted the second, he doubted the latter. He doesn't say, unless I put my hand on his shoulders, I won't believe you, or unless I touch his face, I won't believe you, or unless I see him eat food, I won't believe you. He says, unless I put my finger in the nail marks, I won't believe you, because it's unbelievable that when our Lord is glorified, there would be a reminder of that most shameful moment in which he died on a cross and was nailed to a cross. And maybe Thomas doesn't desire that there would be a reminder of Jesus's crucifixion because he wasn't there at the crucifixion. And therefore, Jesus's glorified wounds would just be a reminder to Thomas of his failure and the fact that he wasn't there. Only John was there and some of the women were there. And when we think about our own lives, isn't that kind of our desire too? Like, don't we all kind of desire to be resurrected without wounds? <laughs> don't we all kind of desire that, that we could just be like, I've always been this holy Catholic person and I never was a sinner. You know, I never had this past. I don't have any wounds. I don't have anything. I'm good. You know, how many of us really like to be reminded of the fact that we need a savior? Or how many of us like to be reminded of our faults? You know, like, do we really like when people hold up mirrors for us? You know, like, husbands, do you like when your wives hold up mirrors for you? <laughs> or wives, do you like when your husbands do the same? You know, it's part of your vocation, right? It's part of what it means that you make each other holy. But we don't necessarily like it. But that's exactly what our Lord does when we're reminded that he died for our sins because we're reminded that, like, that was my life. But then something changed. And then those wounds are glorified. And it's precisely through those glorified wounds that Thomas comes to the faith. It's precisely through those glorified wounds that Thomas comes to the faith. And, and our Lord's glorified wounds reveal to us that the plan of God is to enter into those places that we don't like very much about ourselves and transform them. And then our transformed life becomes a window and a doorway and an invitation to others to live differently. A transformed life is the greatest witness. And when, when people see us, they should think to themselves, like, I mean, there's something different about them, right? There's something different about them. I think after confirmation on Friday, and I, I think several people asked the students, like, do you feel different? And some of them were like, yeah, I do. And some of them were like, not really. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a while for grace to catch up. But it was certainly a graced time. And, and today there's this, 
graced time for Thomas. We have our own Thomas, who never doubts, I'm sure. And Gloria. As they receive our Lord for the first time, and and the same Jesus who passed through walls and appeared in the upper room and breathed on the apostles, the same person will now touch your lives in a deeper way. The same person will enter into your hearts, but also into your bodies in, in a particular way. And like we talked about yesterday, like you'll be a tabernacle for about 10 minutes after you receive communion. And you'll be like that first tabernacle, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who was the first to carry Jesus within her body. And that is the greatest mercy, right? That is the greatest mercy. It is the greatest way that any of us have ever been surprised by love. That the second person of the Holy Trinity who's existed from all eternity took to himself a human nature, was like us in everything but sin, and suffered the consequences of the sin of the whole world, including our own sin, all of the sins committed against us. And he suffered, died, and then rose again so that he would transform death into life. So that he can transform our own wounds, our own sin, our own failures, our own shortcomings into something more. And every time we nourish ourselves with the Eucharist for all of us, we're called to become more like our Lord. We're, become, we're called to become like the one that we consume. And we pray that, that our own lives will be transformed in such a way that, that when people see us, they do, in fact, see that there's something different, there's something glorified, that the Lord entered into a distorted life and transformed it into something new, that our Lord continues to be the healer of sin and the healer of wounds and the healer of death. He is our divine physician. And the greatest way that we're missionaries and that we're an example and that we're a witness is simply by the fruits of the Spirit that are evident in our lives each day. You know, each and every one of us is called to be the fulfillment of what John writes at the end of his gospel when he says, these things are written that you may come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the Son of God. And through this belief, you have life in him. That's the message that we're called to carry forward. And we do that as we continue to allow him to transform our lives and transform our hearts, particularly in the sacrament of reconciliation that he institutes and gives the power for today and the Eucharist that continues to nourish and strengthen us and sustain us. And so today we pray especially for Thomas and Gloria on the day of their first communion and in gratitude to all those who were confirmed on Friday and And in a particular way for each and every one of us that we may be those kinds of witnesses that proclaim that truth of our Lord's grace, our Lord's love, our Lord's mercy 
his trustworthiness to each person that we encounter.